your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, we're this week, we're going to be talking about judgy people. Yes, judgy people. I mean, people who judge other people, which is everybody. And, uh, you know, many people worry that uh, people are judging them. And, and, you know, people stop worrying when they realize it's inevitable that you're going to be judged. And that's just the way it is. We're constantly taking in information about people around us, the social world. And, and that involves judging people. And so these judgments can be really very fast and automatic. Uh, some research has even shown that we uh, form pretty accurate impressions of people in just a few seconds. You know, so what kinds of, of judgments do we make, though? I mean, you might think that there's a, a trillion ways to judge a person. Um, but, uh, you know, psychologists have been pretty convinced that these judgments boil down to just a few key key things. And so there's even research that's gone a little bit further, and, and those studies uh, suggested uh, whether our overall positive and negative impressions of people depend on the specific combination of the judgments. And so I'll kind of break down the categories of how people uh, look at people, and then we're going to go deeper into judgment. You know, uh, you know, we for, for a long time, there was a consensus that we make two key judgments of people, how warm they are and how competent they are. And so recently, psychologists have, have expanded this, and, it, and the evidence that they have suggests that the warmth judgments we make are really two different judgments. One is morality, and the other is sociability, so how social a person is going to be. And so, you know, first of all, morality. If you look at that, when we judge someone's morality, we judge them based on how well they treat other people, specific uh, it, the judgment of morality is about whether they treat others in the correct and principled ways. And are they honest? Are they trustworthy? Are they sincere? You know, that's a, that's a morality judgment of a person. And then there's the, the sociability. And, and so when we judge somebody's sociability, we judge them based on how much they treat other people in ways to promote affectionate relationships. You know, some uh, maybe an example of this would be how friendly, how likable, how kind that person seems. And then there's competence. And when we judge someone's competence, we judge them based on how capable we think the person is in accomplishing their goals. So whenever you judge someone's intelligence, their skillfulness, their confidence, you're making a competence judgment. You know, morality really matters uh, when you're judging people. Even though we form impressions, people based on these those those components I just talked about, it's very important morality. Uh, one study showed that people of the most important pieces of information would be for them to form an impression of a stranger. Uh, given the options, people were much more interested in learning about a person's moral character than their other traits. So, what is a moral character? Well, that's your integrity. That is, can you be trusted? Are you a dependable, reliable person? And it's not just that people want to know about a person's moral character, but when we do learn about a person's honesty, their trustworthiness, it factors into our, our, our opinions of how, what, how we form them. And so there's, uh, 
you know, several studies that verify that that is exactly what the case is. Now, there's also the what about this sociability and this competence? So a big part of how we judge other people is on their moral character. And, and uh, this also affects their sociability and their competence. So the research is showing whether we think sociability or competence are positive qualities really it depends on whether we think the person is moral or not. So whether a person is sociable or competent tells us about how well they reach their goals, whether a person is moral and not uh, tell us, you know, those goals are. So if a person has a good moral goals, then we like them. And if they're sociable and competent because we think they can achieve the goals, you know, uh, that person is somebody we're going to like. But if a person we don't like is somebody that has immoral goals and we dislike them because of their social incompetence uh, and how they reach those immoral goals. And so, you know, th- these traits are what tip us off to a person being able to accomplish things. For example, um, people may see competence as a desirable quality for their friends, but uh, they may see it as an undesirable quality for their enemies. And so, you know, people like moral character uh, more than immoral characters. And, and that's not too surprising, especially given how much we care about a person's moral character. But more interesting is that people only have positive impressions of sociable and competent characters if those people are also moral. So uh, people have negative impressions of social and competent characters when they describe them as immoral because they look at them as manipulative people. And usually those people are, quite frankly, are um, um personality disorders that are formed in childhood. So, you know, if it seems weird that all this is based on people's impressions of made up, you know, characters or two weird descriptions, you know, there's all kinds of patterns uh, when participants and, and people learn about, you know, another person by reading a more complete account of that person's behavior. You know, unfortunately, people don't do a lot of deep dives on on, on people that they're going to uh, develop relationships with until they know that it's going to be something that they maybe even involuntarily are going to have to create. But, you know, I'm not trying to use a sciencey way of saying that people are really judgmental, but but it's true. <laughs> you know, that's how we get through life. We take our past experiences and we project them on the people that we see today. And so we're never really living in the present. We're, we're projecting from our judgments on new people that we see and, and uh, sometimes other people that we see on, on a continuous basis. So, you know, instead of just being you know, the, the king of judgments, uh, a person's moral character also, you know, colors how we think about their sociability and their confidence. So normally we'd have uh, positive impressions of a friendly, skillful person. And if that person also seems immoral, though they're friendly and capable, uh, that becomes a threat. So, you know, you know, just think about somebody you may know at work, uh, you know, you know, sometimes somebody gets along with people, they're good at their job, but you just feel like you can't trust them. So that lack of trust could make, you know, the, the, the bonding with this person and, their, and the capability of that person more concerning because we don't know what their ultimate goals are. You know, there's another thing called attributions, and those are thoughts we have about others that help us make sense of why people do the things they do. And so attributions 
answer the questions like, why did he do that? Why did I do that? When we, when we go through that process of answering the questions, our brains are attempting to understand the causes of social behavior. And that's a beautiful thing because that means we're looking for intentions. We're looking for forgiveness, especially if we judge something bad that a person's done. If we search for intentions, we learn how to forgive a person because most of the time, most decisions people make are well-intended with bad results. You know, there's two, uh, there's attributions like uh, situational attributions, and we believe that behavior, you know, is due to something in their situation. For example, if your coworker might have been short with you because they're very tired or overworked, but now we're attributing to them being moody or foul-tempered and making a big umbrella judgment. There's also personality uh, at attributes that are they're more about a person's character. We'll make the, those things. We believe their behavior is due to the person's personality. Assuming that that, that same, let's say, coworker who was short with us is impatient, is unkind, is making uh, uh, personality attributions. They're, they're basically saying, I'm taking this situation and I'm going to magnify this across the board on this person. And so, um, you know, personality attributions are, are long lasting. And, and if you're impatient or unkind, it's a consistent way of being judgmental compared, you know, uh, in, compared to looking at a person as tired or overworked. You know, we may be judging too fast. You know, research has found that people tend to overestimate personality and underestimate the situation when they make those attribution judgments, especially people they don't know well. So when we make... Now, the, the, the attributions for people we know well and care about, the tendency flips. Uh, you know, think about your best friend. If they didn't call you back right away, you would think it's because they're rude or cold-hearted. Probably not. You'd think of it as specific reasons that they might not be able to call back because you know a lot about their situation. Maybe they're stuck in a meeting. Maybe they're caring for somebody. Maybe they got in a car accident. But, you know, you will presume on the better side if they're a friend. But if it's a regular person, you're going to slap a label on them really fast. You know, um, our brains are basically, they're wired to make automatic judgments about others' behaviors. So we can move through the world without spending too much time or energy on understanding everything we see. So sometimes we engage in more thoughtful uh, slow processing of others' behavior, and you might recognize, recognize that as ruminating on what your friend or coworker said that bothered you or was out of character for them. But you know, you got to be aware of it. It's a natural process, and it, 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 we want to examine how we react to others' behaviors and communication. We want to be uh, aware and patient for others to set the stage for more conscious in the present. Communication. That means here and now. Here and now. If you're an existentialist, you understand here and now is the purpose in life. It's the meaning of life. Is being fully present in the moment you're in and, and not in the past. You're not in the future. You're engaging with somebody in real time without having your brain forecasting or doing crazy things. And if you could do that, you're going to forego judgment because you're looking from an empathetic perspective into that person and into their world. And that way, you get a much better, uh, more, more cognitive understanding of what this person's all about. And you also get a better intuitive understanding of what a person is about, which is your sixth sense, which is, can I connect with this person or not? I can tell you, uh, for the most part, if you 
think about people with personality disorders, and I'm not condemning them because I feel sorry for people that that have personality disorders um, because their parents basically uh, uh, created that monster. But the bottom line is people with personality disorders, you know pretty much within the first minute or so of meeting that person that there's something wrong with them. And some people are people that like to fix people. And so they go towards them, and especially codependents, they tend to go towards personality disorders uh, because they can fix that person rather than fix themselves. And so people love to deflect onto somebody else that might have more problems than they do, and so they want to fix them. And so personality disorders tend to mag- they draw in people that are insecure because they're insecure themselves. And the other thing is you kind of get a ooh factor. If, if you're a healthy person who, who wants to have a good, healthy life, you take that into account that I got a ooh when I met that person. And you need to understand that that ooh is likely your intuition telling you there's something wrong with that person. You need to steer clear. Okay. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of ways, you know, that, that, you know, the question that we have is, should I respect the person? And that revolves around, you know, how competent we deem that person to be. And this comes from, you know, some qualifications that we have, some specific expertise, maybe some experience. If they have a solid reputation, but, you know, we may have answered the question before we even met them. But the question, however, only has a secondary importance because our first and more important instinct is survival. And so that's what we're going to go from first and foremost. You know, if we've answered yes to, to that, then it's likely we'll judge an individual positively. If there's any doubt, you know, what some people do is they look for the person's value. Maybe I don't like the person's personality, but do they have something to teach me? Maybe there's something about that person's sense of humor that I don't appreciate, but is there something deeper that they can hand me that they have wisdom about that I don't? If if we look at people from that perspective, that then we may be a little bit more understanding of people being human. You know, there's many ways in which we're, we are guilty of judging people, not just on first impressions, but uh, we judge people's appearance. You know, we, we form beliefs based on the uh, repetition of certain stimulus, and this means that there's a number of factors which influence how and why we judge people on their appearance. The first, you know, media is a huge contributor to this problem. Uh, we continuously see beautiful people, or we see people that are, are, you know, carry themselves well. We see people that are the best of the best, not necessarily in their brain, but, you know, from the outside looking in, they look pretty good. And so we're led to believe that arrogant, untrustworthy people look a certain way. Those who play evil roles and and, and seem to have similar traits usually aren't portrayed as particularly handsome. Um, You know, then there's uh, stereotypes and what we deem uh, beautiful people to be more trustworthy, more valuable. And this also has an opposite effect along the same way that we deem those who spend too much time on their appearance to be fake and superficial. Uh, You know, maybe uh, looking at the wives of Orange County or something like that is a good way to learn about those folks. But we feel as though uh, people are hiding something or that they don't want to be who they really are. So this sparks anxiety within us because we feel there's disingenuous or, or untrustworthy and this, however, also makes it difficult to make ourselves more beautiful if we do not feel as though we're attractive compared to them. You know, if we judge others on sociability, we also tend to judge people on 
how social and how they treat other people. But once again, just going back to appearance, just looking at appearance, appearance is a huge thing. If somebody looks disheveled, um, they look like they're carrying lots of bags, that means that person has a lot of baggage. That means that person is likely a street person or doesn't take care of themselves. That looks like that person wouldn't be somebody you would want to to uh, um, be around. But it may just be that that person is an absolute genius who doesn't have any common sense and uh, who may not understand how to dress or maybe it's just not important to them. And underneath that is a, a huge, uh, beautiful person who can do wonderful things to help the human race. So you never know. You never know. So judging on appearance is never a great thing. Um, you know, we, t- we, we uh, see people as uh, kind and respectful of others. We tend to trust them more. However, when we notice uh, manipulative and spiteful behavior, we quickly project ourselves by behaving judgmentally. And, and the difficulty is that there may be times when we judge someone who's shy or introverted as being unsocial and untrustworthy. But quite frankly, there's a lot of experted people that get energy from other people. And there is an enormous amount of people out there in this world and probably more than you can ever imagine. You just don't see them as much. But that are introverts and they don't get energy from people. As a matter of fact, being around people and having to engage people draws their energy away from them. Now, that doesn't mean that if they fall in love with somebody that they're not going to gain energy from that person. That's a different thing. But they tend to not have a large social circle. But does that mean they're not good? Does that mean they're not intelligent? That, does that mean they're not competent and helpful? Does that not mean they're good, good people? No. Absolutely. They can be great people. They just operate in life a little bit different than most of us. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about snap judgment. And then we're going to talk about how being a judgy person reflects on who you are. And are you a judgy person? Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about judgy people. Are you judgy? Never know. You know, we're all judgy, by the way. You know, one of the most important uh, influential judgments, as we said in the last segment, is is that uh, we make on others on their morals because we tend to we can we we kind of like keep track of how poor uh, moral judgments that uh, uh, people make, how how many bad decisions they make, and then we tend to hold on to these for longer than necessary, especially our children. We tend to look at their past as when they were five, six, you know, and, and made some really stupid decisions and then project that on them when they're older in life. And all we do is damage people. You know, we're, we're a work in progress. We're always a work in progress. There is no end result except for when we die. And so, you know, people can make bad judgments, can make bad decisions, and they can change. So, you know, you know, it, it, it say, the, the saying is that it's easier to lose trust than gain trust. And, and that's the truth. People, you know, may have a bad reputation for years, even though they have done plenty to try to rectify the situation. And so, you know, if we want to be better people, we don't judge the book by its cover. Judging, you know, just because someone's made bad decisions doesn't mean they didn't learn from them. And that, you know, from a Christian perspective, that's the beauty of how Christ died on the cross. We're forgiven for everything. All of our sins. That doesn't mean we're endorsed to go out there and sin, but it means that we're forgiven. And that's a huge thing. That means it's understood that we're not trying to be bad. We're just making bad choices or making selfish choices or not considering other people. It's a natural instinct to judge. And we're all, you know, a little judgmental for the most part. You know, it is a survival thing, just like we said in the last segment. But, uh, you know, when people can trust, it, it makes us feel safe and secure. So how do you learn how to trust? It's very simple. Very simple. The person that wants to be trusted doesn't ask to be trusted. They ask for a person, even though they've made a mistake, is can you have faith in me that I'm going to change? I'm going to learn from this. I don't want to do this again. Can you have faith in me? And if the person can have faith in you, then what happens is... As you're more consistent with your behavior going towards trust, eventually, if you're consistent and if you're for real and wanting the faith, you will get the trust. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the faith in that person to change. And 
that's a very important thing. You know, we can't let our judgments control us. It's easy to to take information and then jumble it up to how we want to project it on another person and leave out facts and put facts in that may not be facts to try to justify why we have a judgment or why we behave negatively towards a person. You know, if you really want to get to know someone, we have to give them a fair chance. And that means to get past that initial snap judgment. You know, we have to get to know someone before we decide. Now, I'm not saying people that instinctually you can tell that is not a good person. That's one thing. It's another thing to go off a snap judgment when someone may just be familiar to you and some of their behaviors based on how someone else behaved in the past. You know, it's, it's, it's very important if we want to be good social people that we do, uh, we, we, we do try to reach out and have faith in people. Give them a fair chance. Get to know someone before we decide. We may find their personality only comes out once they reach a certain level of trust and comfort. Um, you know, the instincts we have on judging others, you know, can serve us well in efforts for survival. But we have evolved past the point where survival is life or death. Now we're protecting emotions and status. And we we need to be really careful who we judge and why. And, and as we may not be judging the, the wrong people for the wrong reasons. And so before we can finish, you know, blinking our eyes, we've already decided whether or not we want to hire, to date, to hate, to make friends with a person we've encountered for the first time. And, and, and these first impressions really color the way we interact with other people from the point forward. And all of this happens outside of our awareness. And it's in our unconscious processes of the mind that were developed in our past. And so our tendency uh, is to judge a book by its cover. And, and it's become a source of in, uh, extensive psychological study. The, the science of snap judgments is more than just figuring out what we can tell by looking at each other, but knowing how to size people up uh, from one day one day at a time, and that has significant implications of identifying and subduing uh, bias, discrimination, stereotyping. I mean, people, this is where discrimination comes in. We look at a, uh, a, a person and uh, we may think, okay, well, they're from China or Asia or, or Africa or whatever, and then we judge them based on what we uh, see as a group of people or ever a culture of people coming out. We don't look at them as the person. We may see someone as a, a Arabic or we may see a cop or a firefighter and make assumptions based on all cops and all firefighters. And that's once again, making snap judgments and discriminating. And that is what snap judgments do. They discriminate. And whether we're selecting, you know, a cashier at the grocery store, picking players for a ball game, we go through a detailed and complicated process of noticing cues that give away other people's traits. And then we unconsciously run a series of thoughts to make predictions about how they might act. Even in cases where we already have a lot of information a snap judgment overpowers decision-making. Billions of dollars are spent annually across the globe to advance political campaigns. Voters, media scrutinize the can candidate's personality, their platform, their voting record, their experience, their qualifications. But, you know, studies have shown that when we step into the voting booth, the candidate's face drives our decision. Um, there was a study back in 2005 at Princeton 
where they were shown uh, uh, people in the study were shown photos of candidates from the last three U.S. congressional races. And as each pair of candidates came up on the computer screen, the students were asked to judge who looked more competent. On the average, the students picked the actual winner of the election almost 70 percent of the time. So, you know, yeah, evidence points to accuracy in some snatch, snap judgments, however. And, and uh, you know, whether someone is extroverted or shy, that's pretty easy. Um, multiple studies have shown that judgments of someone's um, extroversion is made by looking at the person's photograph um, just for 50 seconds or actually 50 milliseconds. And that they predict how extroverted they, they actually are. But we're also uh, quick to make accurate judgments about facts that seem a lot more difficult to predict, such as the amount of money uh, uh, some CEO makes or is going to make for a company or someone's romantic attraction towards us. You know, for example, you know, personality traits infer from the faces of executives, it, it predicts their leadership skills measured in terms of bottom line profits. And the effects are just as strong whether the photo is current or was taken in the leader's college days. Also, studies have shown that the women's sexual attitudes and behaviors can be accurately judged from a five minute video clips, even from photos of people's faces along similar lines. Seeing a flash of a face for for just like 40 milliseconds, 10 times faster than even the eye can blink, many participants, and this is once again from that uh, Princeton study, uh, needed to tell if if a man was gay, a woman was lesbian, thinking about it longer actually made their uh, so-called gaydar less accurate. So, you know, experimental participants who show faces for a fraction of a second are just as accurate as those who are given to all uh, a time in the world. I, so that means that if they were given all the time in the world, there was a judgment made a lot sooner. You know, when we're told to think carefully about our decisions versus going with our gut, most people choke and they produce uh, results no better than guessing. So, you know, it's the importance of awareness is, is what we really have to look at. Aside from making good conversation, um, we we need to care and spend time and, and, and really uh, study and, and look at people in a sense of how we judge. You know, uh, is it good to make a snap judgment with somebody you're going to end up spending a lot of time with? Um, most of the time, that, that intuition underneath the ideas we hear about ourselves or think in our heads, sometimes these gut feelings about another person are, are sensible. You know, okay, that person looks friendly. Maybe I can ask them for directions. Other times, those feelings can be riddled with with unsupported assumptions, biases, stereotypes that basically tarnish our behaviors, our interactions, our decisions. You know, that person looks honest. Um, I'll invest with them. Our parents may have taught us not to judge a book by its cover, but even if the cover doesn't always tell the truth, (laughs) basically the title printed on the cover might you know so studying the science of snack judgment it it really does help us to know which feelings to listen to and which to ignore and so you know our, our we have to understand really how our minds are put together and how we put together information um and and that alerts us to how other people judge and so judgy people have a tendency to not be as social they tend to put themselves in certain social situations where they can predict 
outcomes to some degree. But they really um, are very careful about who's in their life. They have a lot of trust issues. That means that they're viewing people from a lot of damage in childhood where they were betrayed or misread. They don't trust their own judgment, so they don't like to expose themselves out there. And since they don't trust themselves, they find it a hard to trust other people, so they kind of isolate themselves. There's a lot of people in this world that do that. Um, because they, they make these snap judgments based on their trauma from the past. And so, you know, what's interesting is, is if we can divorce ourselves from what we've learned in the past and open ourselves up to the idea that people are people, everybody's got their own story, everybody comes from a different place, thing, situation, influences, and, and we really, if we want to get to know people and love people and empathize with people, it's better in this life if we take lots of leaps of faith into getting know, to know certain people, into getting to know good people, into getting to know whether a person is good, even if you may sense there's something about them that's insecure or hateful. You know, um, inter- interpersonal connections, truthfully, are not always um, obvious. Sometimes we just rely on the feeling that we'll get along with a person better than another. So, um, you know, our, our, our unconscious tends to work also off of meta communication, which is people's nonverbal communication. That's how they come across. That's their energy, their demeanor, their, their twitches, their <laughs> where, where they focus their body, how they sit, how they talk, how they raise their head. Um, do they do eye contact? Do they not do eye contact? That's all, that's all meta communication. We also have a lot of uh, prejudice from that. For example, people from Asia have a tendency not to like eye contact unless they're, they're Americanized or come across here. They tend to, to do more eye contact. But, but in that culture, eye contact is not necessarily a good thing. Even in the streets in New York, it's never a good thing to do eye contact, quite frankly. But the, the bottom line is, is that we view eye contact here in the U.S. as a very important thing because it reads into the soul. You get a better idea of who that person is. So we tend to negatively judge people that don't do eye contact. That's not a good thing because that may be cultural. And so once again, we got to go deeper, deeper into that. You know, and and that's where we have to begin shedding our prejudices based on our judgments. You know, there are times to go with your gut. Um, You know, knowing when to question our thoughts can really help us catch our mistakes. And, and, you know, it it also helps us understand when to pay attention to what our our unconscious minds might be telling us. You know, suppose a, a, a very attractive person next door greets you with a smile and tells you how happy they are to see you, but something doesn't feel quite right. A quick glance at the smile can help you gauge their sincerity. Are they smiling just with their mouth or with their eyes, too? When someone is sincerely happy, the corners of their eyes wrinkle involuntarily. The muscle movement uh, that isn't uh, easily faked without those wrinkles, their smile might just be polite one, not excited. And, and you don't need to be an expert on nonverbal to make uh, good decisions, but your gut feelings already know what to do. Like any feeling, it's just a sense, and it's up to us to know when to listen. You know, um, a pe- you know, a peek at the uh, the gears and the wheels of our intuition about people can help us make smart decisions. Do I do I pick a, a longer line at the grocery store because the cashier working the short line looks chatty and might take longer with each customer? 
Is it racist for me to hire a white person who went to high school with your brother over equally qualified black applicant who went to private school uh, across town? You know, knowing ourselves is a starting point to a, a lot of things and knowing the workings of our mind really can help us make decisions, both for ourselves and for a collective group. And, and, and that may be best to fit our goals, whether we think it's right or not. Even our forewarning uh, uh, of our mothers or fathers uh, can't help us judge people. We, we, uh, so as we you know, go along through life, looking at all the faces on the shelves and the stack, it's important to be aware where our habits of thought may lead us. Accuracy or error, prejudice or objective. You know, we all generally prefer to see ourselves as smart, as generous, as kind, as patient, forgiving people. But the truth is that we aren't. Life isn't ideal. We aren't perfect. We simply cannot be nice and good 100% of the time. If we're honest with ourselves, we actually have some pretty scary, embarrassing flaws that we prefer to avoid at all costs. But yes, our spouses, our partners, our children all see those wonderful things. And don't fail to bring them up. You know, the reality is that we don't like facing our, our shadows we tend to avoid or react to anything or anyone who tries to point out our failures or weaknesses, and that's understandable. So we need to realize that our dark side holds really strong keys to our authentic happiness, our self-acceptance, our inner freedom. And the truth is, it, it's, it's, if we look at ourselves in reality and look at the dark side, that's often where we're projecting our fears, that's often what we're projecting in judgment on other people is our own insecurity. We're, we're judging another person for having what we have. And so you know, a per, you know uh, by, by people's judgments, you can actually gain understanding of their intellect and how they operate and how their morals are, how their social skills are based on what they project on other people in their judgments. You know, I, I'm not proposing that, that, you know, to make judgment is, uh, is an infestation, but we really have to, to understand it and embrace and work to counteract our judgments all the time, especially if, they're being, if we're being too judgmental. You know, being a judgmental person essentially means thinking, speaking, behaving in a manner that reflects a critical, condemnatory point of view. So when we are judgmental and are critical and are nitpicking and finding fault with other people, a group of people, an idea or a situation, we are seeing through the filter of our black and white beliefs. And that's what human beings do to simplify life. They create black and white so they can make a quick judgment and move on. All right, we're going to talk more about that. And the real question is, am I judgmental? And uh, then what can I do about it? Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. 
That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Okay, we're talking about judgy people. Judgy people. Are you a judgy person? You know, being judgmental isn't all bad. You know, sometimes our judge inside of us, our inner judge, let's call them, (laughs) are balanced. You know, sometimes we're able to make clear decisions, avoid potentially dangerous situations. You know, being uh, critical also helps us be creative, innovative, insightful about other people's problems. You know, um, sometimes like if you're doing therapy, you have to basically make a judgment on on a pattern or something that you see consistently because it may be destructive for that person and you want to help them with that. So you, you can use that as a good thing. There's also a big difference between making judgments and being judgmental. You know, making judgments, that can come from a balanced, neutral mind. On the other hand, uh, uh, judgmentalism comes from an imbalanced, reactive mind that is seeking to protect itself from being hurt by other people. And we could, uh, you know, kind of say that judgmentalism is actually a defense mechanism. And, uh, And as a defense mechanism... Uh, it, 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 it's a type of unconscious and conscious technique that's used to protect our ego. And our, our ego is our false self. It's the projected self that we give ourselves out to the public um, that we identify with. And the purpose of the ego is basically to keep us feeling isolated and separate from other people as a survival instinct. And that often happens through uh, all kinds of uh, uh, mechanisms, you know, making us feel superior self-righteous or or giving us a false self-worth, avoiding our own faults by pointing them out in other people, Uh, you know, it could be protecting us from being hurt by other people, you know, um, if you you are a judgmental person, there's a lot of things that you have to look at, maybe that you believe that everyone is out to get you, you expect other people to be consistent all the time, you you know, maybe you struggle to see a person's uh, flaws, um, 
uh, beyond a person's flaws, meaning that you have a hard time getting beyond their their something in their personality. It's also, uh, you know, do you easily skip to conclusions? That wouldn't be somebody that has a lot of judgmental uh, nature or struggle. You know, they may struggle to tolerate ambiguity or uncertainty or they're intolerant of uh, of people, you know, that aren't like them or they're generally pessimistic about life and they have a, you know, uh, glasses half empty approach. Some people tend to believe they're either good or bad. Um, They have uh, low self-worth. They feel anxious around other people. Uh, Judgmental people do. They're suspicious. They're untrusting. Uh, they have a strong uh, inner critic that judges other people. And, and you know, if you're honest, how many how many of these signs can you relate to? Did, did you be, you know, or was something uncomfortable that I said there? Was there an anger, a defensiveness, a shock or a fear? You know, if you were triggered by that, 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 that means that judgmentalism is likely an issue for you. So, you know, how do you end that? So like many people, you, if you struggle with that, you know, when you can see beyond the how quickly you can judge people and look a little bit deeper into what and how did they arrive at making these choices you know that will make you a better person and ultimately being judgmental is a self-esteem problem by finding uh, something to dislike or condemn about other people we're basically predicting negative outcomes uh, we're, we're predicting that we don't need to be vulnerable we need to avoid our own faults we, you know, we need to inflate our egos. We need to falsify our self-worth. And that's all uh, to protect our self-esteem. So how do we end the habit? The answer is you need to work on your self-esteem. And that means to work on how to have empathy for other people, how to care about other people, how to give people the benefit of the doubt. That is is something that if uh, if people that are judgmental can practice that instead of judging and replace it with empathy they might change their world view you know uh, conversely you know the rejection part of you is denying you opportunities and it's forcing you to live in fear and fear is the opposite of why we're here. We are supposed to live in faith. Every decision we make in life is a leap of faith. And it may be a bad choice. It may be a good choice. It may be an in-between. But we learn from it. So it's how we react to the decisions we've made and how we respond to the decisions we make. And 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 that's a very important thing. If you want to you know, counteract your judgmental uh, uh, part of you, explore your self-talk. You know, even journal it. What that means is, you know, there's all these therapy terms, but, you know, self-talk involves all the thoughts you have about yourself in in reality and and taking some moments during the day to tune in to what types of thoughts you're having. You know, good opportunities to do this often happen while you're interacting with other people, while you're going to work, looking at yourself in the mirror uh, or making a mistake. You can also use emotions to hook yourself into your inner talk. Wherever you're feeling upset, you're depressed, you're insecure, you're anxious, try to pause and focus on what's going on inside you and maybe journal it. You know, what thoughts or assumptions are behind your feelings and then record it. You know, do this every day without fail and try to find some common themes or patterns that reveal your, your, your underlying core beliefs. What are your fears? What are the biggest things in your life you fear? 
And and if you you uh, accept the ugly, weird, messy parts of yourself, you have to understand that there's billions of other people that have lived in this life that have had the same problems. But slowly and steadily, you can work to accept yourself and make peace. You become less critical of others as well. Self-acceptance is about honoring and allowing space for all that means to be human. Instead of putting yourself up into high standards, self-acceptance is about realistically looking at yourself with all your flaws and understanding how you've come about to the way you are and embrace that as a beginning step to change. You know, some powerful places uh, that is about taking care of your, your body, taking care of your health, um, writing affirmations, journaling about how you feel, uh, making a list of everything you appreciate about yourself, getting in touch with your inner child and how to make that child come out and have some childish experience because there's parts in our life where we have to become uh, adults when we're still children. And that's traumatic because sometimes we kind of freeze our childhood back to that moment. And so if we can get in touch with that moment where we had to turn into adults, then basically what happens is we learn how to have joy in our life again by letting that part of us uh, uh, relive itself. You know, remove toxic people from your life and surround yourself with people who support you. Um, You know, read self-help books, you know, do some uh, learn how to forgive yourself and understand what was my intention instead of banging on a bad outcome that you have. What was my intention? Even if it was an affair, even if it's some you know just horrendous. What was my intention? Was my intention to hurt my spouse? Was my intention to just be a selfish pig? Was my intention uh, that I I was just you know impulsive and stupid without good boundaries? You know whatever it is. You know, uh, you want to explore that shame that you carry and, and stop labeling yourself through the negative events and look once again at how you arrived at the negative events, the process. Life is process. You know, so you also want to look deeper into people and situations. When we judge others, we tend to do so quickly as a result of our beliefs and our misconceptions. So, you know, it blinds us. And it causes us to shut off and ignore complexity of other people. You know, uh, if you have a philosophy that people are mean, cruel, shallow, untrustworthy, unfriendly, you know, then we are operating from an inner pain that we have developed in our own life. And we're projecting that on other people. You know, by looking beneath the, 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 the facade and immediate appearance of a person, we often find very human and, and tragic struggles that we have may have compassion for, you know, um, you know, be critical about your judgmental. You know, when, when I say that, I mean, think critically, look at all sides, be willing to be wrong. You know, am I seeing the whole picture? Can you ever 100% know the entire story of another person? No. But the reality is that, you know, none of us can. Whether you start to feel that wall go up between yourself and another, stop. Ask yourself, do I know my judgment is true? And and making this into a habit will help wear down your judgmental reflexes and open your mind up to new situations that may benefit your life. You know, uh, when it's when it's a, a habit to be judgmental, it causes your mind to get narrow so that you only see through that that facade, that, that, that funnel. So you cease to be grounded in reality and then you live in a delusional life and then it's hard to relate to you. 
you know, be careful. That's where the conspiracy theorists and people like that come in. They, 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 they get so funneled in on their thought process that they, they attach to it. No, you know, if you're pained by external things, it's not that they disturb you, but your own judgment of them. And it's your power to wipe out that judgment. And guess who that was said that? That was Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> thousand, you know, almost a thousand years ago, you know, despite our, um, 2000 years ago, excuse me. Um, you know, despite our best intentions, we sometimes stand in judgment of other people. But, the, you know, the, the, the reasons uh, don't always justify it. When we judge harshly, we also uh, use others as a basis of comparison, and we tell ourselves that our choices are, are pretty good, even what other people are up to. We don't use our own goals and intentions as our yardstick or our benchmark. Instead, we let others determine how well we're doing, and we develop a, a false sense of superiority when we find fault with other people. So as long as others are not perfect, then we can feel more easily justified in our own behaviors, and that's sad, but... You know, a lot of people fall into relationships, once again, as we spoke in the first segment, where someone else looks more flawed than they are, and to make themselves feel better, they attach to that flawed person to try to fix them. And uh, first of all, that's the wrong goal for being in a relationship. But second of all, that makes them constantly deflect from who they are and what their problems are. And then they lack the accountability for themselves. So they've escaped themselves. And now they can point out the other person's problems, which are really that person's problems, too. You know, it's important that we try to understand where others are coming from. Remember, we're often more alike than different. And we need to look closely at what may be driving another person's behavior. We don't have to agree or understand it, but we need to be careful not to let our judgment of other people's uh, uh, be embellished in our own insecurities. We learn a lot about ourselves by studying our own forms of judgment. You know, am I feeling insecure about something? Am I uncertain where I fit in, afraid to belong? Do I need to, to develop uh, something in me? Yes, faith. You do. You need to develop faith that you take leaps of faith. You take chances. You uh, experientially live your life. You know, uh, it is very important for us to look at life as uh, an experiential process. It's not outcome based. It's an experience and we learn from it. And what's most important is what we do with it, what we do from what we learn and, and, and we follow a scientific process of life of making lots of mistakes until we finally cultivate ourselves to continuously get better and better and better. So don't pass judgment. Understand people instead of judging someone. Accept people for who they are and what they are, even in their mistakes. Try to love them by having empathy for that other person. And, and, and if you show that empathy, you'll likely be... Uh, um, open yourself up to a new part of someone. You know, it can have an effect on two people. It can have an effect on yourself and possibly the other person that you've shown love for that they may never have felt that, that empathy, that love for. You know, we serve to make ourselves happier. So, you know, if you trust yourself to, to be a magnanimous person, an open person in life, you're going to give yourself enormous opportunities. Lots of doors will open up for you. All right. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that through our webpage on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, I have a new announcement that in a couple of months, 
couple of months, I just uh, got registered with a publisher, and I've got a book coming out. It's called The Good Book of Mental Hygiene, and that will be coming out in a couple months, and I'll be talking about that on the show uh, when we get to that um, coming up. Now, remember, God must be hiring since so many people give themselves the authority to judge. Also, never judge a book by its movie. And eat whatever you want, and if someone lectures you about your weight, eat them too. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 